Welcome to the Crossing Church Podcast. This episode is our special Christmas Eve message from our lead pastor, Greg Dumas. We hope you enjoy this Christmas Eve service. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you that you have come. Thank you that you are our king. Thank you that we get to celebrate you. And thank you that we're all together to get to do it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen Amen and amen. Can we give him a big hand today? Welcome our campuses. God bless you. (laughs) Merry Christmas to all of you. Well, you did it. You made it here. We know that. Come on, give yourselves a hand. That's no small feat. You got to get the kids ready. (laughs) Welcome. We're delighted that you're here. I want to start with an affirmation as we talk about Jesus today. Uh, We here at the Crossing Church believe the Bible is the Word of God. We believe it's the foundation for all of our life, for all of uh, what we know, what we believe, what we confess. We believe it's true from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation, and we affirm that we stand on the Bible as our sole authority. Amen. Amen and amen. So we want to affirm that what we're talking about today comes from the Holy Scripture, and uh, you'll see it on the screen, okay? You're going to have to read a little bit quickly. We'll say it together. If you grab your, grab your phone and just pretend you have your Bible in your hand, okay? Here, here, here we go. Here we go. This is my Bible. Here we go. We'll, we'll start together. Here we go. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come on, somebody. I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. Come on, church. want to tell you where we're going here is a little roadmap for uh, our discussion today. The message, Jesus is the Messiah. He's the promised deliverer of the Jewish nation prophesied in the Hebrew Bible, the Tanakh. He is also the leader of the spiritual movement we call Christianity that started 2000 years ago. It's a small movement. You know what I mean? Small one. He is the savior of the entire world, which means he knows you and me. That's the second point. He has a plan for us. And then all we need is a little bit of faith. We just need a little bit of faith added to what God has done. Just, just to bring, just to bring to life what he's placed in us. And I'll demonstrate that as we close. I want to talk about messianic prophecy first, 
And when we do, these are words from the Old Testament that are written or spoken about Jesus, okay? They're descriptive. They describe who Jesus is, what he would do, when he would come, where he would be, who he was, and why he's here. How many of you know that Jesus came to redeem humanity? That's what he came to do. That's what Jesus came to do. So when we're talking about messianic prophecy, sometimes you've got thousands of years between something being written and then it coming to pass. And what I'd like to show you is that Jesus is the perfect picture, the fulfillment of all these messianic prophecies in the Old Testament. All right, it's a little bit like uh, Jenga. How many of you know the game Jenga? What's up? All right, a thousand and two pieces in this Jenga puzzle on one freestanding piece of Jenga. Uh, that's, that's getting it done right there. That's incredible. And so when we talk about messianic prophecy, we have to understand it's just like this Jenga puzzle. It needs to be interdependent, interrelated, connected, and most of all, coherent. Jesus is the only one, the only figure in history who claims these titles, all right? He is the only figure. He's the central figure of all that we know and all that we are and all that we claim in Christianity. Let me get on to it. He is the Messiah. You're going to see a picture here of a man named Jacob. He is one of the fathers of the faith, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And what Jacob is doing here is he is prophesying over his 12 sons. Each one of these sons become a nation, and then they come together to become the larger nation of Israel. And he's prophesying. He should prophesy first this blessing over his first son, but he goes to his fourth son. His name is Judah. Everybody say Judah. Yeah. All right. And so we start with Judah and here's what he says all the way back in Genesis chapter 49. The scepter or the crown will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until Shiloh comes. Everybody say Shiloh. Shiloh. All right. You guys are with it today. What's up? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Shiloh. Now, why is Shiloh important? Because in the Tanakh, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, not Christians, they believe that this Shiloh is the Messiah. So here's what I want to do. I want to bring that Hebraic understanding of Shiloh into Christianity because we are Judeo-Christian. That's where we get our heritage. All of us are Jews. Did you know that? We're grafted into Abraham. So when God's talking about Shiloh, he's talking about all of these years before, he's talking about the person of peace who would come thousands of years later. So when we talk about a crown or a scepter, it means power, rule, authority, righteousness. And so God passes this understanding down through one of the old fathers, Jacob, all right, one of the patriarchs, through the line of Judah, and it then goes to King David, who was the first king of Israel. So you'll see a picture of David there. I love this picture. You know why? It reminds me of 300. <laughs> see the beard? Come on. All the men who say, hoorah. Here's what God says to Abraham. And then God says, actually, he's, saying, he's speaking this word here in 2 Samuel 7 to King David. Okay, so he's speaking to David, and you'll see here that he's speaking about Solomon, who would be his son, but there's a parallelism in it. 
There's a forecasting that's going to end in the New Testament. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I'll raise up an offspring to succeed you who will come from your own body and I will establish his kingdom. He's talking about Solomon. He is the one who will build a house for my name. Remember, David was somebody who was a warrior and God said, I'm not going to build the house through warring hands. I want to build it through peace. And so I'm going to use Solomon. And then something really important, all these thousands of years, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom. Say it with me on the screen. Say it with me forever. Okay. That obviously can't be Solomon. So he's talking about Shiloh of the Old Testament and the scepter ruling and reigning through a man named Judah to the king David, now through his descendants, all right? And so the scepter is tracked for thousands of years through the scripture until you get to the first century when the scepter disappears. The Hebrew people, the Jews, were scattered by Rome, and so the scepter, David's lineage, ends in the first century, which means that the Messiah had to come in the first century. Come on, somebody. Some of our friends think the Messiah is yet to come. I want to say Jesus is the Messiah, and he came already. He, Jesus is the Lord. He was from the tribe of Judah and a descendant of David. 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And Malachi prophesies, and then it goes silent until the book of Matthew. Some people call it the book of Malachi. Any way you call it, it was silent after that. This is why God goes through so much painstaking alliteration in the Bible. When we get to lists like this, a genealogy, we often say, ah, there's no importance in it. What I want to show you is that Shiloh comes down through the generations of Judah and David right unto Jesus. I'm going to read you the genealogy. Everybody bear with me, okay? I'm going to go quickly. Here we go. You ready? Good. Two of you are. I love you. Here we go. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Abinadab, Abinadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. <gasps> Do you recognize that Rahab was a harlot in the scripture? And I want to say to every person who's here, those of you who are watching online, God can reach down past your worst mistake and lift you up into a shiny and glorious future. He is, there are heroes and heroines, there are dissenters and doubters in this list in the lineage of Jesus. God does not make mistakes. He is, uh, he is not kidding when he says, I'll redeem you. I, I love you. I, I know you. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. Jesse, the father of King David. So you see the patriarchs and you see David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Josaphat. Josaphat, the father of Joram. Joram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Do it with me again. <gasps> Pray for me. Here we go. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Ammon. Ammon, the father of Josiah. Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers in the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, a little bit to go with the list. Jeconiah was the father of Shealtel. <laughs> I love that one. Try this one at dinner. 
Sheltel, the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, the father of Bayud, Bayud, the father of Eliakim, Eliakim, the father of Azor, Azor, the father of Zaduk, Zaduk, the father of Akim, Akim, the father of Eliud, Eliud, the father of Eleazar, Eleazar, the father of Methan, Methan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is the Christ. Come on, church. So listen, can you imagine going back that far in your family line? Could you imagine? If you knew precisely every person all the way back, and then the Bible says, thus there were 14 generations and all from Abraham to David, all right, the patriarchs, the father, the blessing coming through Judah, 14 from David, the first king who held the scepter to the exile in Babylon, and 14 from the exile to Jesus, who is the Christ. So... Not only is he Shiloh, and I want you to see this on the screen, the, the Shiloh that's spoken of thousands of years, predicted thousands of years before the coming of Christ, which is 2,000 years ago, is Jesus, the man of peace, the one to whom we have been waiting for, the one it was appointed for. Not only is he Shiloh, but also he must have been, that's what the scripture says, born of a woman. You'll see this on screen. He was, must have been born in Bethlehem. He must have been born of a virgin. Rewind. Could you imagine reading that? Today, we all say Jesus was born of a virgin, but at some point, somebody would have said, what? Born of a virgin? How is that possible? How many times have you seen things and you said, that is absolutely impossible? It's impossible. Do you know that giraffes, if, you, if we never had an actual giraffe, scientists would say that giraffes can't drink water because giraffes have to have a lock in their neck in order for them, when they bend down, first of all, to not topple over. But scientifically, giraffes are not supposed to be able to drink water, but they can. So if we didn't have an actual giraffe, we would say there's no such thing as a giraffe. Come on, somebody. And if we didn't have the virgin birth, we, wouldn't say, we couldn't say there was a virgin who gave birth. But if you know the Holy Spirit, church, then you know that God comes down and mingles in humanity and places his seed in that which is human and which was human bore that which is not human, superhuman. Jesus, who's the Christ? He had, all these things had to be fulfilled in Jesus. He had to come from the line of Abraham, a descendant of Isaac, a descendant of Jacob, from the tribe of Judah, heir to King David's throne, called Emmanuel. There was a massacre of children that happened at Messiah's birth. You remember, Herod massacred children when Jesus was born. He would spend a season in Egypt. That's where they fled. He would be preceded by Elijah, the spirit of Elijah, and John the baptizer, who would prepare the way for Messiah. He'd be declared the son of God. He was a Nazarene from the root of Jesse. He was a light to Galilee, where the hall of fish came, and he was called king of kings and Lord of Lords. That's only 17 messianic prophecies of Jesus. As an illustration, what I want to do is, is I just, I want to give you this closing scripture and then I want to illustrate for you. He is the Messiah. Ephesians 1, 19 through 21. And his incomparably great power for us, toward us who believe, that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above, here's what the Bible says, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, celestial or earthly, and every title that can be given, 
The book of Philippians says that everything in heaven and on earth, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord in the earth and under the earth and above the earth. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, now and forevermore. This Jesus is the lion. Have you heard the lion of Judah? That's where it comes from. From the blessing out of all these thousands of years ago through the blessing of Judah from Jacob. He is Shiloh. As an illustration, as an illustration, that Jesus is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do. In 2018, a South Carolina woman was on a scenic drive one afternoon and stopped at a local Casey Mart. Yay for Casey Mart. She purchased a single Powerball lottery ticket. How many of you Christians play the lottery? Come on, what's up? If it gets over 100 million, do it. <laughs> Some of you are like, did he say that? I did. Yes, he did. It's a good tithe from that. It's a good tithe. It's okay. You can laugh in church. It's okay. It's okay. I promise. It's good. It's good. She later came to find out that she was the sole winner of $1.6 billion ticket. <laughs> Pretty good Tuesday, right? She completed five numbers. She got all five numbers, the sole winner. And uh, from the $1.6 billion, she received a single payout of $877 million. She has chosen to remain anonymous. I wonder why. That's a pretty good. pretty good day, isn't it? So the odds of winning a billion dollar lottery looks like this, one in 300 million. It's, it's, it's pretty good odds, isn't it? I mean, it's incredible what the odds are. We would all go, there's just, there's no way I, I would ever, for one person to win $1.6 billion, get all five, just be one person and so on. For Jesus to have fulfilled 48 messianic prophecies, it would be one and 10, one times 10 to the 157th power. So let, so let me give you the, so, so right here you've got nine zeros, right here you've got 158 zeros. The mathematical calculation, some of you are like, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> the mathematical calculation that Jesus would fulfill from thousands of years ago, just 48 of these prophecies to the extent that he fulfills them perfectly in his person, who, what, when, where, why, and how, is one to 10 to the 157th power. That's how powerful God is. In other words, you would have to win the Powerball, this $1.6 billion Powerball, 20 consecutive times in a row to be Jesus and fulfill all these prophecies. Not only, go ahead, go ahead, okay. He didn't just fulfill 48, though. He fulfilled over 300. And in order to fulfill 300 prophecies from the Messianic prophecies of the Old Testament, that would be one particle, one atom in the solar system. One atom out of all the atoms in the solar system. So some of you are still, so here, here's what I want to say. Just, just watch. Jesus is Lord. He's Messiah. There's... There's no one in history. You know how good the media is at covering stuff up? Come on, somebody. For generation after generation after generation after generation, the most important figure of history has been shrouded in mist. 
And I want to tell you, I want to demystify him. He is the king. There's no, one, there's no one like this Lord Jesus. No one. There's no, there's no book like this book. There's none. You, you, can't, you can't get away from the facts and the archaeology and the history and the messianic prophecy and all that God has done to say that Jesus is Lord. He is the Lord. He, he is the Lord. And he knows you. Church, he, listen, he, um, he knows you. He knows you. He loves you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know that full well. My frame, here's what the Bible says, that God knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. It means darkness. Your eyes saw my unformed body and all the days ordained for me are written in your book before one of them came to be. In other words, God knew you before the foundation of the world and he knew you before you became you physically. He knew you. So here's... so. Thank you guys, you guys are enthusiastic, I love it. Okay, uh, here's a fluorescent microscope, and here's a human egg, and this is the human egg at resting, this is the human egg at fertilization. At the point of fertilization, there is this incredible flash from this fluorescent microscope, a flash of light, which is translated to life at conception. You'll see it first turn blue, and then all the way to this sort of pink color, this intense um, inception. And, and then, so from here to here, it's about 10 seconds, and then another 50 seconds from here to the last one back to the, the cell at rest. And what God wants us to know is in that second, not even in that moment, in the second of fertilization, all that is you is combined with all that's him or her in DNA, and you're created. God, can you imagine the beauty and the pageantry of a God who does this? Who does this? Who knows you like that? All of your genetic code, everything that makes you you at that second of inception. Here's what it looks like just played out. Fertilization, boom. Life. And then it comes back to the resting state. I, I, tell you, I tell you what, wherever you are, whatever you're doing right now, whatever you're thinking, whatever you're feeling, God knows you, he knows who you are, he knows what you need. And so right now we can begin to release our prayers to him because he is. He is alive and he loves you and he knows you. He has a plan for you. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Yes. Listen, church, if there was no God, we would be random accidents, wouldn't we? We would be random. We would be some sort of astronomical random chance that fell out of the universe somehow that there is this dust in space and there's an implosion, right? Come on, of you. how many of you are with me? There's an implosion, then there's an explosion. It's called the Big Bang in science. There's this explosion and then there's this primordial soup that forms, and out of the soup then's formed an amoeba, a one-celled organism, and then from that organism is multi-celled organisms, and then we have Darwinism, right? This is what we're taught in school, okay? 
that from that amoeba, that one-celled organism, then there became other organisms, and then there became apes and chimpanzees, and then there was a transition from them to us. And so there's the uh, missing link right there. It's the one you find in the Smithsonian. But let me ask you the question, where else are they other than the Smithsonian? Help me, somebody. Help me, church, because you got to have a lot of faith to believe this, right? And, and look at the end of this, right? The guy on the computer, we're devolving. That guy looks just like this guy right here. Come on, can I get an amen? So listen, there's an alternate to that plan for God said, let there be light. And he created male and female. He created them. There's an alternate to the plan. There's an alternate because, listen, if this is true, if Darwinism is true, we're all random. And it's survival of the fittest, so be careful when you leave the parking lot. <laughs> Somebody got a bigger truck, it's their turn. If that's true, everything in our life is random and chance. And here's what the Bible says you're not random. And you're not just by chance, you're created on purpose. And your life is full of purpose and meaning. And God has a great plan for you. He loves you. We're not, we're not random. Church, we're, we're not random. There's, there's, there's no way we're random. Uh, and, and I'll just end this section, just say, you're not a monkey's uncle. It's true. All we need is a little faith. We just need a little faith. Jesus is Messiah. He's the, he's the one and only. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. <laughs> You're helping me out today. You're helping me. Amen. He knows you. He has a plan for you. Here's what the Bible says. Faith is being sure of what's hoped for and certain of what is unseen. Sure. God, I, I, uh, I hope that you'll receive me. If, we, if you'd just go man on the street, take a microphone and go out to the street and you'd say, do you know for sure that you're going to heaven? Do you know, are you certain, are you absolutely certain? Nine out of 10, nine out of 10 people say, I hope so. I hope I am. I mean, I hope I'm good enough. I hope I've done enough. I hope God forgives me. Faith is being sure of what's hoped for and certain of what is unseen. Jesus, you know, it was 2,000 years ago when Jesus came and he was in the flesh and Thomas said, I won't believe you, not unless I see you and Jesus walked through a door. Do you remember he came through the wall? I imagine there was a sound. He said, come here, Thomas. His name was Doubting Thomas. He said, come here, put your hands in my hands. You know, and Jesus in his exalted state, he has the stigmata, the hole still in his hands as a memory of what he did for us on the cross. And so he says to all of us, he said to them, he said to, he said to Thomas, now do you believe? Thomas said, yes. And he said, greater are those who do not see me and yet choose to believe. That still choose to believe. And so faith is being sure of what's hoped for and certain of what we don't see. Jesus is not just a prophet. He is the Lord. He didn't just walk around 2,000 years ago 
to tell us a story he walked around 2,000 years ago to give us his life. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. He came to give us spiritual life. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God because those who come to him must believe that he is. Come on, say God is. He is, and he's a rewarder of those who seek him. And so just to close and... You know, we, the Bible says that our hearts are like soil, though we all have soil. We're all a condition of soil. And I, I'm believing today that God has conditioned our hearts and made us ready. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God is what the Bible says. And I pray that as I've been teaching the word of God, that there's been a faith that start to rise up in you. At least that you might question what you've thought before. Is Jesus really the Lord? Is Jesus the Lord? Then the Bible says that the seed is the word of God. And the seed goes into the soil. That's exactly what happens in the foolishness of teaching and preaching. And then, so now what else is necessary, church? You've got seed, you've got soil. What else is necessary? Water and, yeah, there you go. Everybody gets an A plus on that one, by the way. Water, sunlight four simple things. I mean, it's simple, right? Here's what the Bible says. Jesus standing at a large gathering and he says, if anyone would believe me, as the scripture says, out of them will flow rivers of living water. And the simplicity of what God wants to do is just for you to receive Christ by faith. It only takes a little bit of water for this to bud and flourish. And for all that's in the conception of the seed, the DNA, the seed coat, everything that's in this seed sprouts. There's a shedding of that coat. There's an implantation into the soil of the heart. And then there's the new growth. This is spiritual in its application. God used agriculture all the time. And so the Lord is just saying, if you would just by faith, make a confession in Jesus, the seed. Here's what I believe. The seed's already ready. The seed's in you. Jesus, if you've heard the word of God and your heart is receptive, we just by faith add what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. And and so simply, just really, really simply, I wanna have you pray. That's what the Bible says, Romans 10, 9 and 10. Everybody who's online, those of you who are here, would you just join me as we, Jesus is the Messiah. He knows you. He has a plan for you. He loves you. If you'll join me, if you'll bow your heads, close your eyes with me for just a moment, Here's what we're going to say together. Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, every voice, nice and strong. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. I don't want to live without you any longer. Save me from my sin and break the curse that's attached to it. Come on. By faith, I believe that you were raised from the dead. And I receive you into my heart. You are the son of God, the savior of my life. Forgive me, cleanse me, heal me, and make me new from this moment on. In Jesus' name. Come on, heads bowed and eyes closed, heads bowed and eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, wherever you are, across our campuses, at home, would you indicate to us that you prayed that way on the count of three? Raise your hand nice and tall. One, two, three. Raise your hand nice and tall. I see you, friends. Boy, I see you all over. Hold them up for just a second. 
Wow, I see you. I see you. We see you. We're on our way. We're on our way to you. Raise them nice and tall, real and big, real big. Balcony, bleachers, South Shore, we see you. Plant City, we see you. Those of you who are at home, we see you. Raise them nice and tall. We want to get you a card because we want to get you a Bible. We want to get you a Bible. We're on our way to you. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Wave real big. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Wave real big if you haven't gotten a card. Wave real big. Amen. Church, can we thank the Lord? Come on, across campuses, can we thank the Lord? Amen. Okay. I want to end like this. The Lord, uh, it's a pretty uh, rough looking plan, isn't it? A little, little wilted, busted up. Uh, January of this year, so almost a year, I, I bought this little plant. It's an avocado uh, plant. I love avocados. How many of you love avocados? Shoosh. Um, there's me. There's a little avocado plant. It looked a lot better almost a year ago. A little polished up, and um, I talked about receiving a miracle. And so when I was praying, when I was finishing the message, the Lord said, I want you to go get the plant. I said, what plant? He said, the plant that you left outside. So almost a year ago, I put it out on the porch. I had to go move my grill to find the plant. It's had a little bit of water here and there, but very little sunlight. And the Lord said to me, he said, I want you to say, I want you to ask my people, I want you to talk to them, and, and I want you to just ask them if their lives have fallen, their spiritual lives have fallen into this kind of neglect. And so he said, grab the plant, and then he said, I want you to prophesy, I want you to say to them, remember, listen, we, can all, we go through COVID, struggle, marital difficulty, all these things, and maybe we've received Jesus before. And maybe there was a thing that sprouted up and we thought it was going to be good and God help us and all these things. And then we fall into spiritual neglect. We don't get enough sun. We don't get enough water. We don't get enough nutrients. And the Lord said, tell them, tell them, tell them that the life of the miracle is still in the stock. Come on, church. Listen, God hasn't given up on you. He hasn't given up on you. He hasn't given. Look, this is the little tree that could. It's got a new bud. What in the world? God is awesome. So across campuses, I want to I wanna pray, and I, I just want to pray for a recommitment to Jesus, a rededication, okay? Will you join me? Would you bow your heads one more time? One more time. Everybody in the house, those online, South Shore Plant City, say, Lord Jesus. Come on, every voice, Lord Jesus. I'm sorry. I've neglected my spiritual life. Today, I recommit to you. I want to grow. Come on, tell them I want to grow. I want to be fruitful. I, I'm starting over. I'm recommitting in Jesus' name. Now, if that's you, head bows and head bowed eyes closed, across our campuses. If that's you, everywhere, if that's you, raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. If that's you, raise your hand. 
We hope you enjoyed that word. Don't forget you can subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash crossingchurch. There you can watch all of our messages on demand and our live broadcasts. You can also download the Crossing Church app by going to wearecrossing.com slash app and you can download it for your app store. We can't wait to worship with you next weekend. For times and locations, visit wearecrossing.com.